Josie Geller, you enroll in high school. 20th Century Fox presents... Do you remember high school? A story about getting a second chance... What's up, girlfriend? Are you in special ed? ...to make a first impression... I'm not Josie Grossy anymore! Drew Barrymore... Guy is totally crunching on you. Never been kissed. Do I want to be crunched? Oh, yeah. Rated PG-13. April 9th, only in theaters. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my handsome co-host, Tyler Wilson. There's a lot of uh, very 90s music in that uh, TV spot for Never Been Kissed. That's true. Today we are going to talk about whether Tyler and I were crunching on Never Been Kissed. I'm shaking my head. (laughs) Spoiler Spoiler alert. No. No, we were not crunching on it. Okay. Nope. So, we are going to be talking about Never Been Kissed, a movie that I have fond feelings for before I watched it again. Oh, yeah. yeah. But we will dig deep on that before, yeah? Oh, no, I was just going to say it is a continuation of what we usually do, at least for a few episodes in September, which is a back-to-school-themed set of episodes. Go back and listen to Ferris Bueller last week. Yeah. Go back into the archive and listen to the other ones we've done. It is back to school time, and and in our house we are uh, getting through back to school. Our kids are all going to school virtually, yes, which uh, is fun? Question mark? No, it's actually going really good. So we have a kindergartner, first grader, and fourth grader, and we have them all in one room, and we set the room up all cute like a teacher would, Mm -hmm. and crushing it. So far, the internet has been okay. <laughs> it's not great. It's one of those things where it's like, do you pay more for the faster internet mm. if it's just going to be as shitty as it is now? Don't know. That's a good question. Don't know. Um, but speaking of entertainment and kids going back to school, um, one thing that our kids have been really into virtually is uh, a little something, and I'm going to play it. Oh, because That's this a surprise to me. This is not a surprise to you. No. <laughs> but uh, virtual learning is fun because we get to see what they're doing. We get to hear what they're doing. Their teachers are doing an awesome job. But some of the shit, oh my god! And this little ditty comes from a little favorite in our household. See it, say it, sign it. The letters of the alphabet. See it, say it, sign it. The letters of the alphabet. Okay. I hope we don't have to pay Jack Hartman for that now because so, you played up. it. I feel like I'm going to promote Jack Hartman, but this this guy, he's <laughs> got to be making some fucking good YouTube money. I think he because, probably has. How many hits does his videos have? Well, even just this one, mm-hmm. which he put on in 2017, has fifty, almost 54 million views. Oh, that's a lot, yeah. Fucking million. And he's I can tell you it. what, I mean, the if the schools are using these Jack Hartman videos and other great youtube videos mm-hmm. i mean these, they are you know you gotta think oh well that sucks so you're not getting compensated no i bet they're making some, well, that, jack hartman's making money yeah so that fucking song has been stuck in my head since our little kindergartner started playing it and I, and then every time it plays she's like come on mom do it with me so then i have to get on this fucking camera with a fucking teacher and these other kindergartners and like sing it say it and sign it 
I crushed it, by the way. That's a pretty good song, but it's not as good as his number one, which is that Easter Bunny song that he has that are that she's liked since she was like three. Yeah, and I like it because he does like a dance with a East a, a big Easter Bunny costume guy, and he also gets really sweaty. He gets really sweaty. And I appreciate to, that. At which one point, you and I had a debate because I had this memory that he had really pitted out armpits. Yeah, and we could not verify or you know not verify it. It's either a shadow or he's pitting out. I don't know. I pretty much feel like he's pitting out. Uh, it's un- I think it's unclear. I'm just going to play 10 seconds of that song for you. I mean, you just hear right away that's got it's got some beats to it. So That's good that's, shit. That shit is what's happening in our house. So, you know. The best part of that song <laughs> is he like there's like a bend and pose. So then you're supposed to like pose and he like does a freeze. It's, freeze. it's dance and freeze. Dance and freeze. And that's fun to do because I, I like to do it with the kids and I'll bend and then I'll make like a, a face. And that's. Yeah. It's, it's a whole thing. It's fun. <laughs> if you have little kids, you already know what we're talking about. Jack Hartman. Yeah. I'm not paying you. This is free advertising. We're not paying you for playing your song. You're welcome. Jack. You better not be a dick, Jack Hartman. Yeah. If you don't have kids and you're still listening, uh, you know, drink some alcohol, do some other things and watch a video and enjoy a few good minutes of your life. So that's what we're talking about. School. Back to school. Ish. Ish. Mm-hmm. Adjacent. Um, before we talk about that, though, Tyler, you've squeezed in a few movies since we got together last. What have you been watching? Well, in that school theme, I did watch uh, a VOD title called I Used to Go Here. And it is a movie starring Gillian Jacobs, who is from Community. She played Britta. Yeah. Um, and she plays an author. She was an English lit uh, kind of phenom. She writes a book. Uh, it's published and it gets bad reviews and she gets her book tour canceled, but her professor, her beloved professor, one that she really liked, who is pl- played by Jermaine Clement of Flight of the Concords, still invites her to go and speak at the school and she kind of just spends a weekend at a place I used to go here and, uh, comic adventures and, self uh self discovery mm-hmm. ensues it's okay it is a pretty familiar type tale of like uh you know youth existential crisis or you know crisis of career and things of that nature if you're uh, you know, in your 30s <laughs> or late 20s, I suppose. So yeah. it's Basically, very familiar. Basically, if you're an old millennial, yeah. you're experiencing this every two or three years of your life. So and, and you I, could relate. You know, and I, I've seen a lot of this because I I, I have an English degree. And so I, I'm familiar with a lot of the other movies and stories that kind of tell this tale. And so mm-hmm. it is a bit familiar. And I don't know if it has much to say. But uh, Gillian Jacobs, I think people... I think people sleep on her a little bit um, because she played sleep on her. That's a weird phrase. She, well, she played Britta on community and you know, we all know that Britta's the worst, but she's not, (laughs) she's not, but like that's, that was the joke. Right. So I think sometimes she gets kind of maybe on the, she gets knocked down on the lower tier of like the cast of community, but she's actually very good on community and Mm -hmm. she's very good on this. And 
uh, Jermaine Clement is always uh, a pleasant uh, presence, so it's okay. I wouldn't say rush where'd, out. Where'd you watch it? It's uh, just a rental, VOD. VOD, yeah. right. V- video that. on demand. So maybe, you know, once you've racked up some of those Amazon bucks, maybe. Okay. Watch it. Um, so I watched that. Uh, I watched a little movie on Netflix that just came out called The Devil All the Time. And this is got a great cast. Tom Holland, our current Spider-Man. Uh, Robert Pattinson, who uh, everybody, you know, ever since he made those trailer movies, continues to just make really interesting movies and, and is very good in them. And I've, I've liked him in a lot of things. Uh, he's in it. Um, Jason Clark, uh, some other folks. It is uh, very unpleasant. Uh, mm. <laughs> it, it's, it's kind of this... Uh, it's a decade-spanning story, kind of. It starts with kind of one set of family members, and then it's like the kids. And these people either have terrible things happen to them, or they're doing terrible things. Uh, Tom Holland, who is... He's pretty good in the movie, you know, considering that we kind of know him as Spider-Man. Uh, he kind of has to drop some of that pluck, because he's getting, you know, getting in some shitty situations and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so he's good. Robert Pattinson plays like this smarmy, uh, predatorial preacher when he's got like this Southern accent that is, uh, weird, not, uh, what I, I did read one thing that said like, they should get Robert Pattinson to come go do, um, a Knives Out sequel where he could be Daniel Craig's partner. Like Mm. it's that level of like Southern accent. It's ridiculous. And I would Mm -hmm. agree. And I was like, yep, that's actually perfect. They should absolutely do that. It should be Daniel Craig and Robert Pattinson doing Southern accents in the Knives Out sequel. Uh, so he, you know, it's, he's entertaining and good in it. It is a very unpleasant movie though. Unpleasant? Yeah. It's like two hours and 20 minutes of just like terrible things happening to people. Um, so, you know, it's not like an easy watch. It's, it's fine. I wouldn't say that it, other than the cast, I you know it wasn't amazing. Skippable. It, it was. I mean, it wasn't like a bad movie. It's just like you really have to be in the right headspace for that. And I was, who's in the fucking right headspace for something like that? And I, right I now. wasn't. It, it kind of you know it, it feels like it should be kind of. Sometimes you can get like a movie like that that's kind of like a crime noir, and you've got some kind of mystery to it or something that's compelling that's kind of moving, propelling the plot forward. And this is not really that. Mm. It kind of jumps around and takes you know focuses on certain characters over others and eh, it was okay not, not great okay and then uh oh we started watching with the children i was very excited about this yeah because you don't watch shows with the kids you w- watch shows while you're in the room yeah you know what i mean like you're in the room while they watch shows but anyway. most things that they watch i'm just like tuned out of that you're like fuck that i, I was play very... on my nintendo switch yeah but i was very excited about this series on netflix it's jurassic world camp cretaceous and look, uh, we've I think we've mentioned uh, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, the last Jurassic Park movie, a few times on this show. How ridiculous it is! How it hurts someone uh, who loves Jurassic Park. You know, the original film is my favorite movie uh, of all time, and therefore I'm an apologist for uh, the sequels, with the exception of that newer one. So uh, I was excited to have a kind of a new Jurassic Park entry that wasn't the last thing, and. I don't know. I we we haven't watched the whole season, but it's kind of pretty good. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it is a kid show, and it's about these five or six campers that get to go to the first opening of a, a summer camp at Isla Nublar, Nublar, where the it's currently it's it's set in a time when Jurassic World is still open. It's before 
all the shit that goes down in that movie happens. But of course, like, all the shit's going down on them, too. Yes. Then their, their camp counselors are very bad at watching them. They and keep it's getting... not even that they're very bad at watching them. It's, it's a just dinosaur a, park. It's a dinosaur park, and these are, like, pre... These are teenagers. Mm-hmm. And teenagers will just fucking do whatever they want. So, like, they're unprepared. Yeah. I don't feel like they're being, like, bad camp camp counselors. They're just clearly like, ill-prepared for the teenagers. The doors should be locked at night. They shouldn't be able to wander yeah. down to the raptor pit. Yeah, you should have some <laughs> sort of security measures right. that alert you if a child has left the fucking premises you're in, in the, the dinosaur park. You're in the gyrospheres, and you're you're with a herd of giant monsters, and then, like, the storm comes by. like, oh, yeah, we'll just trust the kids to stay in yeah. the gyrospheres while we go run an errand real quick. Will no. we go tell people that you're coming back? No, it's come with us. It didn't make sense. No. Some of it, so yeah. But, I mean, but that's what you want, because you want to see the mayhem ensue, right? Mm-hmm. So this is actually a good mix, because what I liked about um, uh, Jurassic World, I don't think is a great movie, but I largely like the first hour of that movie, because it's like, ooh, the park's open. I get to see what, like, a full-on Jurassic Park experience is. There's kind of a fun element to that. Mm-hmm. And so this is what this kind of is for a few episodes. But then also you get the dinosaur peril. And it doesn't really pull... I mean, there's no on-screen death, but, I mean, they're getting terrorized. We've let our kids watch it, and, you know, they're like, ah, oh, these dinosaurs are intense, right? So, I, I it's, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not playing with kid gloves, I would say. It's giving you the intensity of a Jurassic Park-like chase sequence where the yeah. Carnotaurus is going after them, and they might get eaten, and... Yeah. I mean, our kids have watched Troll Hunters where, like, people get stabbed and stuff. So. Yeah. And I, I violence, schmilence. And I, I, I was, I wrote a little something about this, and I ended up kind of reading ahead of what happened. And it, it does sound like there's even more mayhem coming, and so I appreciate that. And yeah, it's like it's still like about kids, but the storylines are okay, and the characters are growing a little bit, and it's not bad. It's like better than that last movie. I'll say that. Well, I mean, that's a pretty low bar, though. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I thought it's, it's fun, but I, I love watching it with the kids because we haven't, our son really wants to watch Jurassic Park, our, our oldest son, yeah. because he thinks he can handle it and he, I mean, he probably could, but, um, but like our nine year old, I think might scare her. Yeah. She's not into that shit. She <laughs> she's just has not nightmares. into it. She's like very sensitive. But I can't let him watch it without letting her watch it. That doesn't make sense. Right. And then the two little kids, I don't think that's appropriate for them, but they're all been watching this. And so even our three, I was like, Ooh, scary. I was like, Oh, it's just a T-Rex. And he's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> like he just, he'll go scary. Like, Ooh, scary. I'm like, Oh no, it's okay. And he's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I feel about that, but yeah, that is what is happening. That's what he's saying. Um, <laughs> but I, I enjoy watching it because, like, that the, the John Williams theme is used at least yep. a little bit in the intro and in kind of certain scenes. So I'm just like, I'm just like yeah. going with it. The kids are definitely getting a kick out of your reaction. And then anytime like a Stegosaurus comes on screen, I'm like, oh, Stegosaurus. <laughs> yeah, they're like, shut up, Dad. We're trying to watch. <laughs> And then I was like, because it's cool. Like, they got, like, there's a zipline thing. It's like, oh, you get to go ziplining over the herd of dinosaurs. I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> and I like watching that. And I like the, yeah, I'm just, I'm into that. Wow, are you <laughs> done coming all over me over this or what? I, I like Jurassic Park. I know Any, you any Jurassic Park adjacent stuff I'm cool with. You, that, yes. Um, yeah. It's so. very watchable with your kids. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. So, gives me hope for that next one that's coming, the next movie that apparently they're back filming. I mm-hmm. can't believe it, mm-hmm. but they are. The other thing I'm watching with the kids mm-hmm. is a little show on Netflix. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm always looking for shows that I can watch with the kids that I don't want to jam my eyes out with. So the most recent one is called Julie and the Phantoms. Mm-hmm. And I am noticing a theme among these, like, 
preteen, teen aimed uh, shows on Netflix. Yeah. Where there's a lot of dead moms. Oh yeah. So I mean, I it's. it's I think a, that translates from like Disney Channel era. It too. just translates to like, hey, what's an easy way to like make a character that you immediately kind of like feel sad for? Or a Hallmark Christmas movie. You always yeah. got to kill off a, a lot of dead moms. So that yeah. always makes me a little uncomfortable to watch those kinds of shows with kids. But mm-hmm. I mean, I think it helps them build empathy for kids who have lost their parents. But uh, this show is about a girl who's a singer and a piano player, and she hasn't played music since her mom died like a year ago and she finds an old cd in her garage and when she plays it this boy band from the 90s of three like teenage boys instrument playing instrument boy band band, yeah yeah, um appears and they're ghosts and so it's just going through like she's she's the only one who can see them but when they're playing music together other people can see them so it's very fantastical and a little bit magical, but also, like, has actually some pretty decently written songs in it. I was a little... Like, I saw the trailer and I was interested in... Because it seemed like a goofy premise that I, I like. And if it's if it's goofy, I'm like, yeah, I could dig that. Because it is a little bit, like... It took me my... A brain, my I had to ask questions when you were watching this. Because, like, okay. So, she can see them always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then her, she's talking to her friend. Her friend seems to know about them, but... Yeah, she told her friend about them, but her can't friend see can't them. see them. But when they go on stage... Everybody can see them, but then they disappear in front of people. When so they then stop playing music. the explanation that she has to give is that it's a hologram. Yeah, I don't know how that's that's making my mind hurt. I mean, we're um, in we're in a technology age where you can all well, they do do this. That. They they have they do like yeah. It um, doesn't look this good though. No. Yeah, hologram technology is not quite to where you know when like, uh, like this. Usher did like a chorus on a song for someone at a concert before you know when we still had concerts. Uh, they have like a hologram usher. I don't know. It seems like they do this, or they sure. have dead singers that they put on. Sometimes it's kind of in poor taste. Sure, they sure, do sure, it. Sure, sure. So that's what we've been watching. We got one episode left, mm. so we're looking forward to that on this weekend. Okay, yeah, I watched a little bit of it, and it was fine. Is it as good as Babysitters Club? The new Babysitters Club? It is not, but I would say it's like a it's it's up there. It's not as good, but it's good. Level B. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's. I've seen a lot worse. Okay. So, <laughs> we'll say that. You know what uh, Marion's been watching hmm. that I have tried to convince her to watch for years hmm. is a little show on Arthur on PBS oh, called, you gave it away. called <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> Arthur. Yeah. Did you ever watch that growing up as an old millennial? No. I, had the, I really liked the book series. I didn't watch the show. I don't know if I was aware that there was a show. What? Here's the thing. Yeah. As an old millennial, I feel like I watched these... PBS Kids shows a lot. I had Nickelodeon. You lot, didn't. I didn't. So, so you I watched had to watch PBS Kids shows, PBS shows a lot longer than I should have. Yeah. Well, like, you didn't have Nickelodeon. You couldn't yeah. watch Ren and Stimpy. So yeah. You're you like, were oh, watching watch like Arthur. Cool stuff. And I was like, uh, Wishbone and Arthur, please. I, no, I love the Arthur books. I had several. I think some of the ones we still have are my old ones. Um, so I love Arthur, and it is actually incredible. They still make Arthur episodes. Yeah. It's been going on for years. They yeah. they only make maybe like four or five a year, but. It's kind of just keeps going on and on and on. Yeah. I think that's why I'm so smart, because of all those PBS Kids shows I watched. Yeah, to the point where sometimes Marion will be watching one, and they've gotten to the point on Arthur, there's so many episodes, like, you could watch a whole episode, it's like, where the fuck is Arthur? Like, there's all the other characters are doing stuff. all the other characters. Like, where's Arthur? (laughs) And, you know, they'll have, like, a one-minute cut to, like, real kids doing relatable shit. they get away with it being on PBS. Yeah, I like that, though, because I think I learned a lot of shit on that. Probably. It's a good show. Anyway. It's watchable. 
Those... That song's in my head all the time. I'm not going to sing it now because I don't want to get no, well, PBS to go after us, too. Well, could you please sing it? I'll get that. Say it, sing it, sign it. No, because I don't know the, the letters actual... of the album. I've heard it a hundred <laughs> times, and I don't know any of the words to You can just hum it. Because I go, hey... What a wonderful time of day. I don't know. It doesn't sound right. Every time you sing the words, it's like, that can't be the words. But it is. But it's not. Well, okay. So the- To get along with each other. other. Or something like that. So this Listen is- to your heart. Listen to the beat. <laughs> something is a beat? I don't know. What's funny about this is that you have a mind for songs. Mm-hmm. So, like, all the kids' songs of all the shows they've watched, you, like, know most of the words. So, like, even the other night, I was putting Marshall down, and he's like, sing Paw Patrol? And so I sing, like, the five words I know. There's only, then, like, five words in it. And I was like, I don't know the rest. And he goes, ah, yeah, Daddy knows it. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you do. You know all these stupid fucking no, songs. I don't know. So the fact that you can't get down Arthur is telling. He he really likes Spider-Man, right? I gotta go, Spider-Man. Spy. But I don't know. I don't know the actual words yeah. other than does whatever Spider-Man. See him swing, and then uh-huh. I go, see him shout, see him dance all over and about. And I just make it up. And then yeah. I know Spider-Pig better, you know, from the Simpsons movie. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> does whatever a spider pig does. I know that better yes, than I know the real one. That's true. Um, if we're going to get sued by so many things right now. We use all these songs. We're promoting those things. Okay. So yeah. f- they can fucking send us a fucking check. Yeah, they should send us a check. They should. You're welcome. Yeah. We're P.O. Box. singing all of your songs. P.O. Box 1234. That's it. How do we get that number? That's a good one. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything else you want to share? That you oh, I did. Yeah, I did. Finally, uh, our our amazing co-host of Saved by the Bell to the Mask uh, to the Max, our uh, sister podcast, as you can find. You on said old... mask. Is it because you have masks on your mind? Maybe. Yeah. Saved I always have masks by the Bell to the Max to the Max. Uh, OldMillennialsRemember dot com or just search Saved by the Bell. Don't listen to that Mark Paul Gossler one. Listen to ours. I actually don't. We have him on an upcoming show. Right? Oh, we do. Yeah, he's coming. Yeah, that's right. I forgot <laughs> we were going to lie about that. Yes. Um. Anyway, he's been bothering me to watch Gleaming the Cube for a while because it's a movie that I have not I've not seen in the, whatever eighty eight or eighty nine when it came, and it is a. Movie in which Kristen Schlater, who has very bleach blonde, big hair, you yeah. saw the little so bit of I this. So I was doing some homework while you had this yes. on last night, and Kristen Schlater has a look going on. <laughs> it's a fucking look. It's quite a look. It's a memorable look. It's worth watching the movie just for that. And this is, it, it's a, it's got a pretty big cult following, because I guess like, Tony Hawk and all these guys worked on it a little bit to help them, and, and it was an like, introduction for a lot of people, but it's weird because it's like a... It is about, like, skate culture, but then it's also, like, a murder mystery. <laughs> well, the part I saw, someone got choked out and yeah. murdered. Spoiler alert. Yeah, it's, like, his brother, his stepbrother, and so... Amazing kid! Yeah, so Christian that's, Slater has to, like, figure this out, and so it's this it's this weird combination of... It's one of those things where I was like, would it be good for the podcast? And I ultimately decided, like, yeah, but it's, like, it actually kind of plays it straight more than you would think. Okay. Um, and it... I it was okay. I enjoyed it, but then like the ending though is oh, is it ridiculous no, no, or is it, it fantastic? No, it's great because <laughs> why didn't a, you tag me in for that? I think you'd finally gone to bed at that point. But like Christian Slater has you know hunted these guys down, and so now the murderers. It's all about like chasing them down, right? So he's like. He, there's like another guy in a car and he's like holding on to the side of the car now I don't understand why because he's like go after that guy because I guess he bumped the guy's car so he's like holding on you know like Marty McFly holds on to the back of Biff's car and he's riding a skateboard while holding on to the car right yes. so it's also that also in like the Goonies on the little bicycle right it's the bit back to the future is the one I think of because it's you know actually a skateboard but it's a or a hoverboard that's a, there's two it's, if it happens more than one come on 
Oh, that's true. Get your shit You're together. Right. Oh my god, um, it's been a while. But the difference here is that it, uh, this is going really fast. Like he is holding on, and it's not Christian Slater. I don't think in a lot of that, but it, I mean, it's real people holding on to a side of a skateboard and a car going really fast. So that's cool, and he's chasing a car. So there's a chase going on where there's a skateboarder holding on to a car. Now, what I don't understand is like he could have just like it was a convertible. Mm-hmm. Like hop in the car real quick if you're gonna be riding. What? So this also reminds me of a scene uh, that you made me of that watch that one movie with what's her name and she gets on the roller skates and she holds on to a car. Birds of Prey? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's like the best scene it that movie. It just makes me wonder, how fast can these tiny little wheels on these skateboards, roller skates, because that car was going really fast too. It was, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good question. It seems like it'd be very dangerous because I've like used a scooter with tiny wheels and I've nearly killed myself. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, so she, this, so he could have just hopped into this convertible. Just for a little bit anyway, right? But then like his buddies are like, one of them works for Pizza Hut. So there's a lot of Pizza Hut product placement in the movie. Oh, nice. I like that. But one of the delivery trucks is like, it, it's like a truck, but it is like the of Pizza Hut, and it says oh, Pizza Hut, fancy. and so his, his friends are piling in, and so that car, the Pizza Hut car, becomes a part of this chase. Oh, cool! And then there's a pretty sweet like jump, and I was like, yeah, this movie's pretty. This is cool. See, it's smart where it ends on a really badass scene. <laughs> has a big, has a big high note. Yeah, nice. it's a little. Yeah, it's a. It wasn't what I was expecting for a while, and then, um, but they gave me that. So there it wasn't bad. I mean, I it was like it was an engaging enough story. It was just that. I, you know, we just recently did Rad on this podcast. Yeah, we did. And I was kind of thinking it was going to be just, like, ridiculous in that regard. And no, it's actually, like, kind of playing it more straight. So, but it still ended with a pretty great sequence, so. Okay. So I watched Gleaming the Cube, which don't ask me what that means, because I don't know. Hey, it's a fucking... It's, 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 I think it means, like, uh, go to the max or push your limits or something. What does Gleaming the Cube mean? Question mark. They it's say it actually gleaming the cube, and as the Urban Dictionary says, to fail so badly that there is brilliance in the failure. A phrase coined by cinema abattoir bloggers in reference to a 1989 movie starring Christian Slater. So that's the secondary. Um, that's the secondary definition because that that's just is the first thing that popped up on I know, Google. But I'm just the saying the title that... of the film refers to the question refers to the cryptic question: Have you ever gleamed inside a cube? That Gary Scott Davis asked Neil Blender in an interview in the December 1983 issue of Thrasher magazine. In the film, Christian Slater's character defines gleaming the cube as pushing your limits to that's the edge. That's what I, that's what, yeah, I heard that part. So, cool. Does, I'm still confused. What does it mean? <laughs> Push it to the limits. Go, okay. do, try, reach your heights or something. Reach for the stars. Wow. Did the movie gleam the cube? Well, yeah, because it was, all, it was all a bunch of men, and so there was no glass ceiling for them to reach for the stars. Oh, <laughs> burn! Let's not talk about glass ceilings this week. R.I.P. R.I.P. You, you whispered it. You can't yeah. even say your R.I.P. A role-playing I game? I, no, I didn't want to, you know. <laughs> oh. You know. Yeah, it's been everyone. rough. I don't want to talk about that. So, we are going to talk about Drew Barrymore in a little movie called Never Been Kissed. Before we talk oh, yeah. about high stats and mm-hmm. what we think about it, Okay. We did a good job. The only notes I took of this movie were, what do you remember? This is the part of the show where we say what we remembered from when we saw it the last time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you and I have seen this movie in 20 years. I don't think I had. Yeah. It's 1999. So, yeah, I pretty much saw it in 1999. Mm-hmm. And now we're in 2020. I feel like I saw it probably like a couple times around then. I don't know. Or it was on TV. We had the VHS tape in our house. Oh, shit. So... Okay. Your mom probably loved it. I don't know. Well, and here's the thing. You you alluded to this earlier. 
But we, I think we both have memories of like thinking this movie was kind of okay back yeah. in 1999. Well, it was right in like the Drew Barrymore kickoff. Essence. Yes. Drew Barrymore essence. For us. For, yeah. For old millennials. Well, because Scream was 96 is kind of her big kind of return. Mm-hmm. And when then, was Wedding Singer? 96. Like 96, 97. Yeah, so, so right like around that right time. Right in that time period. Yeah. Here's what I remember. Okay. Drew Barrymore is a grown-ass adult woman, mm-hmm. pretending to be a high schooler for a reporting assignment or something. I don't really remember the setup as well as Tyler probably fucking does. Jeez. Because she goes back to high school to get the real high school experience of, or, or something is going on on the high school, something like that. I don't fucking remember. But she falls in love with some dude, and it's awkward because she's... So I got this part wrong. Um, it's awkward because she's an adult and he's a high schooler. And is it her that's never been kissed? This is weird. But I never really like I, I but I remember really liking this movie. Okay. So I wrote Drew Barrymore is a copywriter slash lowly intern type at a big newspaper, but then gets an absolutely ridiculous assignment to spend such a long time or I'll spend a long time posing as a teenager and writing about the high school experience. I write I write long time because I well I'll get to that. Um, she learns how to be cool, then to be herself, then fosters an inappropriate relationship with alias afterthought Michael Vartan. Mm-hmm. Good thing she's not really a student, but maybe you should be worried about a dude who wants to bang super young chicks. Yikes. Okay. There's a lot to dive into with this movie. Um, cause I like, I like journalism movies in general because I, I am a sort of journalist. So, um, I do enjoy, uh, movies that uh, exist in this realm even when they are really, really stupid. <laughs> Correct. Um, I'm just going to jump a segment up early. Okay. So what would Roger say? Okay. What would Roger say? Say. So this character, Drew Barrymore character. This is Roger Ebert. Yeah. The famed film critic from Chicago who wrote for the Chicago Sun-Times. That's Sun why i it up right now. Who is in, that's where she works. She works at the Chicago Sun-Times. Yeah, so she Great. works at the Chicago Sun-Times. Right. Roger Ebert also works there. At the time, yes. At the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, if you're listening to this, I assume you know the plot. Yeah. Give me the 20-second version. Well, we, we basically covered it. She's covering... She's assigned to go stay... You know, go pose as a teenager to write a story, and then she... Because she had a traumatic experience as a, as a high schooler herself... And then she learns how to be popular, but then also begins to kind of uh, jones on the teacher. Correct. So one of the things he says, I'm just going to, I'm going to share a a whole fucking paragraph. Okay. Um, But we got to talk about the first sentence of this paragraph. Did he, how many stars did he give it? Oh, what's your guess? Three. Yeah, he gave it three. (sighs) So the title, Never Been Kissed, gives us reason to hope that Josie will be sooner or later kissed. Mm -hmm. Fine with that. Soon we have reason to believe that he, the kisser, may be Mr. Coulson, played by Michael Vartan. Alias afterthought Michael Vartan. Yes. The English teacher. And of course, the taboo against student-teacher relationships adds spice to this possibility. (laughs) Now, I know Roger Ebert is dead. And this was written when the movie came out. Yep. In whatever year. Spice could be in, you know, maybe that's not necessarily. I don't think that's how I would describe it. (laughs) No, I would not. Well, no, I wouldn't describe it that way. So I take issue with that sentence. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought you'd appreciate this next part. Meanwhile, Josie's adventures in high school are monitored at the Sun-Times High through a remarkable new invention, a brooch. Brooch? Brooch. A brooch that contains a miniature TV camera and transmits everything she sees back to the office. Correct. Well, it goes into a truck that's yeah. parked outside, and then they review the tapes afterwards. So then, you got that he, a little bit wrong. Yeah. And then he says, we do not actually have such technology yeah. at the Sun-Times. 
No, they and, they wouldn't. And thank heavens, or my editors would have had to suffer through baby geniuses. Oh, uh, <laughs> he thinks he's super funny, huh? Yeah, but look, I, I he got it slightly wrong though because they they he, there's a guy in a truck outside and they're reviewing the tapes at the office. Is that how that works? Yeah. They were watching because the tapes feels, later. It feels like it's live, though. Oh, when they go to the prom, it is, it's insinuated that they're watching it live. Yeah. That's Even weird. when they're at the office, it feels like they're watching yeah, it they're live. Yeah, they're all lined up at the prom. They must have yeah. figured out. Yeah, they, well, they wouldn't have. Okay, skip ahead. And okay. then he says, um, we are left to marvel at the portrait of Chicago journalism in both this movie and Message in a Bottle, which had Robin Wright pen as a Tribune researcher. Mm. Apparently at both papers... The way to get a big salary yeah. and an office is to devote thousands of dollars and weeks of time yes. <laughs> to an assignment where you hardly ever write anything. Thank you. <laughs> I thought you'd appreciate that line. This movie is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> I know you take issue with that. I think anyone, I can't believe you yeah. gave it three stars just because of just how it depicts the Chicago Sun Times. I think. Well, he in as I scanned through the rest of it, he has a hard on for Drew Barrymore. Not like a sexual hard on, but like he he liked her. He thought she brought charm to the movie. Yeah, and I think she, I like Drew Barrymore her. sometimes too. But I don't like her in this movie. I think I no, decided. <laughs> I'm like opposite. Like. Hater in this movie. <laughs> okay, let's backtrack and do our high stats. What are high stats? It's the part of the show where we talk about, uh, you know, like who's in it and who directed it and how you much money it made it. and when it got when it was released. Never been kissed. It was released on April 9th, 1999. Sure. It is rated PG 13. It clocks in at an hour and 47 minutes. 17 minutes too long. Uh, an hour and 47, two minutes, many, two minutes. <laughs> I can't even talk. It's uh -huh. too long. Uh-huh. Me no likey. Director, Raja Gosnell. Who is notable for his work on uh, two Scooby-Doo films. Mm -hmm. Not the most recent one, but the live-action CGI hybrids. Yep. Uh, and some other terrible movies. Uh, Smurfs. Smurfs 2. Yeah. Uh, he wrote Home Alone that, 3. He made that prior to Scooby-Doo, yeah. Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Yeah. I mean, if you're seeing a theme here, there are, these are like cartoonish. Right. He made Show Dogs. Yeah. That was the most recent movie, and that movie is the one where uh, they have the, they had to remove that scene about like coursing people into sexual assault. Oh, you dog saw thing. that scene. I sure did. I went and saw the movie. That's right. We talked about that. Wrote a whole thing that. about it. Uh-huh. And they had to remove the remove the scene. Oh, that was um, that was in 2013. No, no, 2018. So you know the first scoop. I, I get I get how this guy ended up having a career in that that first Scooby Doo movie is while not good. It is like a a lot. It's about as good as you could make a live action Scooby Doo CGI hybrid movie. And so and it was a hit. People went and saw it. Well, so he's ridden that for a long time. Well, and the Smurfs movie made money too, which is a terrible movie. But before he got into directing, he was an editor. So he made his way up. Clearly, if you just look at his list, up the editor world. Mm -hmm. So he he was editor on some pretty lovable movies by you, mm. Home Alone. Yeah. Okay. Home Alone Two. Yeah. Rookie of the Year. Mrs. Doubtfire, Miracle on 34th Street, so he worked nine months. Chris Columbus a lot. So he was in that yeah. realm. Oh, he's Chris. He's Chris Columbus's editor. That because all those movies were just Chris Columbus. So movies. then he got Home Alone three to direct, which makes sense. He'd worked on one and two, and it's his big drop off. But yeah, that was his first director <laughs> okay, debut. Yeah. Then he does Never Been Kissed, number two. So oh, wow. not experienced. Then he does like Big Mama's House, Scooby Doo, <laughs> Big Mama's House, very and so on. that movie from nineteen ninety nine as well. Or uh, when did that come? Yeah, two thousand. Wow, yeah, that was something too. Something so, else. Uh, 
He didn't come back I for the sequel, like, Big Mama's House, too? <laughs> I feel like... So there's two things that could be happening here. Mm-hmm. One, he has a bad attraction to bad wanting to direct bad movies. Or he's just, like, in that realm of, like, not being no, given he, good listen, movies to direct. He made Scooby-Doo, and then that's just been what he makes now. Like, those kind of movies. They were like, hey, you're good You know how that. to do this, and it's just, like, that's what he gets. So, I mean, I totally get that, but... So, I don't think he was the right choice. Beverly Hills Chihuahua was it. That's a hit movie, by the way. That movie made a lot of money. So, that's... He keeps getting... Because Smurfs made money. Like, that, that's how it happens. His movies, albeit not great, they're, they attract that child audience. They're, that go, they're in a lane. Yeah. He's in a lane. Yeah. Never Been Kissed is not in that lane. No. Okay. But it was early in the, the directing career. So. Back to High Stats. Okay. It is co-written by writing partners Abby Cohn and Mark Silverstein. Okay. I don't know them. No, nobody knows them. Nobody should know them because if this is what there is, you really have turned movie. on this movie in the last twenty years, haven't you? Oh, was I going to say in the last twenty minutes? Oh, yes, no. yes, I have. Um, it stars obviously Drew Barrymore, mm-hmm. David Arquette, yes, Michael Vartan, alias Afterthought Michael Vartan. Molly, who, by uh-huh. the way, Michael Vartan. Let's talk about him. So he is essentially the uh, male counterpart to Sidney Bristow, Jennifer Garner's character on Alias. He is the, also, love, the primary love interest. He's also a spy. He is. No, wait. He's a spy, yes. Okay. He yes. knows everything. Yes. It's been so long since we've so watched he's the sec- He's like second build on that show throughout the run. I, maybe, I think he might have left at least partially in the last season. I don't know why. Like, why would he leave? Be- to make Never Been Kissed? I don't know. But um, Or he thought he had something... But what's funny is, like, Bradley Cooper was on, like, the first year or two of yeah, Alias, and he played, seasons. like, the, like, friend. he was, he was, like, the afterthought, right? He's the friend. He's, like, Jennifer Garner was, like, I don't got time for you, Bradley Cooper. Yeah. And now Bradley Cooper, like, multiple Oscar nominee, yeah. movie star, right? And Michael Vartan, he may never been kissed. Alias afterthought. <laughs> um, okay, who else is in the movie? Uh, David Arquette. John C. Riley. I did not remember that. No. But it was it was delightful watching him though because I do like him. He's delightful in most things. He is the editor. He is Her Josie's boss. boss editor. He's a like a yeah like department editor for yeah. for him for uh, her. I mean the paper owners played by Gary Marshall in like two scenes. We'll talk about him. Molly Shannon is her friend at work. Octavia Spencer. She appears in a couple scenes. scenes. This is kind of before she broke out as well. You have uh, your, ooh, Lily Sobieski is a student at the school. And then one James Franco is seen roving the halls every now and again, making so random young. remarks. He's such a baby. And being very James Franco, yeah. even in the tiny part. Yeah. You're like, you're so <laughs> young. Like, oh, there's you're James Franco. You're authentically yourself, James Being Franco. James Franco, walking the halls of this movie. Yes. Um. So yeah, a lot this of people This movie was budgeted. Mm-hmm. Is that a thing we talk about? Yeah. Where'd it go? It was on here somewhere. It was budgeted at like where did the fuck it go? Twenty five million. It made like fifty five. It was a hit. It was overall kind of a modest hit. A good spring, solid hit at the box office. I guess. Okay. Money wise, where do you? I feel like we just have to talk about the the, the newspaper stuff first. Okay. okay. So now listen, I've never worked at a big paper like the Chicago Sun Times. That's is, you have not put that out true. there. I, I've worked adjacent to some medium papers, but mostly smaller papers, right? So it's a different world. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Yeah. But <laughs> as Roger Ebert alluded to, the premise of this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's not just ridiculous. It's fucking ridiculous. And that, from, from the get-go, because right. it introduces her character as a copywriter. Yeah. Please uh, tell us, describe to us what a typical part 
copywriter well, she, is and does. So it's a, I mean, it's a big paper. So you know, you need copywriters, and she's a. It's but what a, does a copywriter do? Copywriter essentially is, you know, you read copy and you take care of it, you clean up the articles, you clean up, you, you know, you do a little bit of uh, your proofreading. No, not just that. You're fixing. No, it's more than that. Well, it, tell me, she's fixing structure. Sometimes you really have to like some of these writers. I tell you. They're all well, over then the why place. Why are you the fucking writers if you just have to have somebody else? Because there's a talent. They've got the ones with the flourish of the words, but you need someone like an editor, a good editor to like get your shit together sometimes. Okay, right. And I've I've done both roles, albeit again in a smaller uh, smaller realm. Okay. okay, so she's she brags in their opening her voiceover montage of being like the youngest copy editor ever for the Chicago Sun Times. She has an office in this place. With a fucking window. Which is a, I mean, Jesus. I mean, even in big papers, getting an office, that's something, right? Like, they don't even and, like, yeah. have offices. So, like, uh, right off the bat, I'm just like, you have an office and you're a copy editor and you don't have to do any of the horse shit? Like, this is great. Like, you should not want to write stories. This yeah. is perfect. Yeah. You are in good shape. Yep. They're going to need you. Like, you, you're always going to need that position. Mm-hmm. And you're, people like you there. They know what you're doing. Great. Right? That's good. She wants to write a story. She wants to tell her story. She has story ideas that she shares with her boss. So she, and, and he assigns them to other people. Yeah. Like, she could write them. And guess what? John C. Riley is right because she doesn't know how to do this job. <laughs> no. Just because you have a good vocabulary and you can fix other people's writing does not make you a gr- talented writer. And then I am not sure about... We don't get a full version of the article that she eventually does write, but the part that we do here that is also not good. monologues at the end is fucking terrible. Yeah, so I don't know where we think that this... No, she's she's in a good lane. John C. Riley is right to keep her in that lane. You're good at this job. I'm not moving you over here. Nah, nah, yeah. Nah. And if you do... So anyway, that's fine. But... How this ends up getting happening is that you have this, and this is the part where I'm confused where, like, a, a newspaper like the Chicago Sun Times would even allow this to, like, be a depiction. Because Gary Marshall is, like, the editor-in-chief or the publisher of the uh, of the paper, and they have a big meeting in which Drew Barrymore attends. So she's a copywriter. So she's got to be pretty senior on, in this chain because mm-hmm. she's in this meeting, right? But this, right in the first scene, he, like... Someone wrote a lousy story or got scooped by the Tribune, mm-hmm. a better version. So not only does he fire the writer on the spot, but also, like, fires the editor who approved the story. Mm-hmm. Fired. Just like, we don't need you here anymore. Okay, no, that's just so stupid. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so dumb. And it, so dumb. And, it's, and again, I, I wonder why, like, the paper would want to be depicted that care. way. They don't care. They don't care. So then it's like the the whole thread of this is like he has this idea for like we need to check out what's going on at these high schools. You, you're gonna write it just points at Drew Barrymore and he's like John Cirilla is on the hook too. If this is no good, you're both fired. <laughs> like But then like Is he's it so is it because d- this is like the nineties and like that guy's for sure doing Coke? No, it's the late nineties, so this is what's that's what's fat like the, there's pleasure in this for someone who works a newspaper and has had to like scrounge a shitty career for 20 years, mm-hmm. right? Because papers, like, it's 1999, the internet's, every month, the internet's getting faster and faster and just a little bit faster, and everybody's just like, I don't need this print paper anymore mm-hmm. in my life. I can just read my news online. Mm-hmm. I can just read this. Oh, and Fox News is around now, so now I get the news that I like that's not true, but I can enjoy. Oh. Um <laughs> Um, so it's just every day, a little bit, fa- and so you're just, there's a little bit of pleasure, like, like, all these people are gonna lose their jobs, like, you can't be getting rid of people like that, you're gonna have budget cuts anyway. But, I mean, it's just a ridiculous depiction, but then it, it, to, to say, like, we need a big story that's gonna scoop everybody for, to run one time, he assigns this woman who's never written, who, he seems to be aware that she's never written a story, and it's just like, hey, 
go spend three months at a high school and write one story about something I don't know what. Yep. Some sort of expose of some sort that you'll figure out when you get there. And John Cirelli figured it out. And then that's, the, we're off to the races and they're so worried about their job mm-hmm. that they have to do this assignment. It's, uh, it's silliness. And then there's it's more silly, there's more silliness to come, but we can pause on that once we get to the other, obviously the, the main problem with the movie, <laughs> which is this, <laughs> which is that a grown ass This relationship woman. that happens. Um, so I'll, let me just, I'll, I'll try to say what I think works in the movie. Oh, because I think there are you. things you, that you go for that positive streak. I think in 1999, people are wanting this Drew Barrymore performance. I feel like that was what made us when we were younger. Because we didn't really talk about what we remember seeing it at the time. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we wanted in 1999 from Drew Barrymore. It seemed like after the wedding singer, we're like, yeah, we America's sweetheart, Drew Barrymore. We like her and everything. We want to see her. Uh, play like a nerd who comes into her own and becomes like a star, and we like this premise, right? So I can see in 1999 that Drew Barrymore charm working. For whatever reason, this is me getting negative a little bit, I don't know if that works now. I don't think she gives a particularly good performance. It's a little... um, What is the word? It's just so spineless. I fucking hate this character. She's just... If you actually watch this movie and look at this character, she is crying and whining through 95% of it. All her dialogue is delivered like, I just, you know, it's just like, and then, and then it's like She's so meek. And she's just like wispy, and she's crying a lot. Like, even when she's not sad, she's crying. And it doesn't really match, like, a news... Like, even if you're a copywriter, you've got to have some kind of grit. You have and she does fucking balls. It's, it's, it's an unrealistic lack of grit and, and meekness. And I get that there's a, there's some trauma that's associated with her being in high school. And that was the other thing I was going to say that kind of works. I think that her flashback, it's confusing with the timeline, because she's supposed to be, what, 25, I think they Mm -hmm. say, 25 or 26. It's set in 1999, and the flashback we get, she's very clearly wearing, like, a 1987 prom dress. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't understand the timeline exactly. Yeah, that threw you off for a while. Maybe the movie is set in 1995. I don't know. But um, I think that that scene does kind of, it's it's sad, and it, it works, like, I think she's good at, playing it's over the top how much of a nerd she is and how much they make her a dork and and like awkward around boys and because the reality is that the girls who are not that dorky or that like offensive are treated like shit and were treated like shit in the 90s it's like they you don't have to go such a caricature like you don't have to go that extreme and it's a little bit so lily sobieski is kind of like the 1999 equivalent of a nerd and it's a little better she's more like quote-unquote normal and we like her because she's got an attitude yeah so it's a little bit better but even that is still kind of teetering toward this weird thing of like being a little bit of like oh we're in the math elites which is like and, and and then the group itself is kind of treated like in a joke and yeah. it's it's weird and it doesn't have to be that way no and, and so i i struggle with that but i do i i think it, it's still an effective like what happens to her is i think sad and it kind of propels the movie i think it's like a effective use even though it's over the top i think that flashback of like her this boy pretends that she's gonna take him taking the prom and he shows up and throws shit at her instead Thanks, and it, right in her fucking face yeah. and it's it's pretty um you know i i i, I like that um 
And then I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what else works here. I wanted to say that in general, David Arquette can be a comic force in a movie in the right role. And he's playing her older brother or young. Is he older or younger? He plays her younger brother despite being four years older than her as an Okay. Person. So she, he's a younger brother who clearly was very popular. He was a baseball player. His college career kind of got ruined by an injury. And so he's working at a garbage place or whatever. So it feels very much like a David Arquette part. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, I don't know. He, he gets underutilized, I guess. It's not much of anything. I wouldn't, it's not really a negative or a positive ultimately. But he ends up deciding to, you know, in an effort to help her be more popular at the school while she's under, uh, undercover, he decides to go and enroll himself and be a star Bef- on the yeah. baseball team. Befriend the cool kids, make her feel cool, and also take advantage of being a really good baseball player. And, and, and here's the star. thing. I could, I guess, there's a world where you could say Drew Barrymore looks young enough to be in high school. There's not a world where David Arquette looks age appropriate at he's all. He's 29 when this is filmed. Yeah, he doesn't look. He's got the. the he sh- looks fucking 40. <laughs> he does. He looks like 40 years he old. He doesn't even look 29. Just like, no. no I don't know. No, no. John C. Riley is okay in the movie. And, you know, he's. He kinda... plays a crotchety old newspaperman. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect casting. And that's there. good. It's not over the top so much. Uh, You know, Molly Shannon is being very Molly Shannon here. She's like yeah. an oversexed co worker. To the point where she has a terrible scene where she gets... Memorable, though. I remember that scene so clearly. She decides to go... I don't understand the logic here. She decides to go visit Josie at high school, knowing that, like, she's undercover. Yep. And then it gets mistaken as, like, the sex ed speaker. Guest speaker, yep. And then she per- per- shows them how to put a condom on a banana. It's very memorable, though. I guess. And I think those <laughs> are the parts of the movie that I, re- I remember enjoying. It's a but, low-hanging but, uh, like, fruit, yeah, so to but, speak. Yeah, but, like, paying attention to this whole movie and Drew Barrymore in it. Like, so Wedding Singer came out in 98. 90s. Oh, 98. Okay. And Ever After came out in 98. And then Never Been Kissed came out in 99. And the two, those two I love, and so I feel like I swooped Never Been Kissed into this trio of movies that I enjoy. Maybe. And it, it's just, it's just. But have you watched same. Never Been Kissed? Or you ever, have you watched Ever After recently? I haven't, and I, I want to. Because okay. I, I, I feel like I still love Drew Barrymore, but oh, I kind of fucking hate her in this movie. So, and I think it, 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 it's a, it defeat, it's the reason that is, I think, is because she is playing a caricature for most of the movie. It is too, over the top she's too awkward she she's too inept at like even reintegrating into this world um because it is very much like a not a it's a very 90s movie high school it's very much the same high school that she's all that and 10 things i hate about you although that's a better movie what year did clueless come out 97 because i feel like these are different high schools than clueless yeah Sure, I think it. It it's definitely like feels like a time she's, period, but it doesn't feel like it. This it feels movie a little feels bit older. Well, remember she's all that had that like choreographed dance sequence that Usher helped everybody do. There's a little bit of that, like those the popular girls like do like a choreographed dance at this mm-hmm. bar slash music venue where both the teachers and the students hang out, and also by the way, some of the employees of the Chicago Sun Times are also there. Like her secretary, he's got she's as a secretary, mm-hmm. albeit a bad secretary. Mm-hmm. But, but a boy she, secretary. She too. has a secretary. Aha. But he's at this bar. Michael Vartan is at this bar. The kids are at the bar. They're serving alcohol, but you have to get a stamp. It's so weird. 
And are we to believe they're in Chicago? Like, this is where everybody hangs out in this neighborhood? <laughs> everybody in, yeah. They're all going... It's uh, fucking Chicago. And by the way, for the most part of the movie is filmed in L.A. There's yeah. some a couple scenes early that are filmed in Chicago, and that is it. Um, yeah, so... Okay, we have to get into this a little bit. Michael Vartan is the English teacher. Mm-hmm. She's a, a writer. Oh, it's natural chemistry. She uh, answers a question in her, like, her first day of class. And by the way, she's chosen to wear... Is it the first day where she's wearing this like giant feather White scarf? With a giant boa she's thing. curled her hair. It's like, this is her... I think it's Molly Shannon helped her dress her or something like that. It doesn't go over well. Her nickname... Oh, she makes a comment about her parent, her parents being like goat farmers or whatever. So that was a bad choice. And that she grew up in... And I guess it's fair that we, it was in the trailer earlier. She used to be called Josie Grossy in uh, high school. So Michael Vartan is like, she answers questions and he like stops and he's like staring at her and he's like, are you really 17? And then like, she's just like, it's such a weird scene to start. Cause like, it seems like he's playing it serious. Like, is he, I think the line in the, the script is like, are you 17? Man, you're so smart kind of thing. Yes. The way he plays it is like, are you 17? Like, it's a serious question for him. Mm-hmm. And this is a major problem for the movie because Michael Vartan is terrible in this. He's a terrible actor. <laughs> he is so bad in He's this. He's only got two modes. It makes you wonder. I remember watching Alias and liking Alias and never thinking one way or another about Michael Vartan. But, like, this is... He's playing a handsome teacher. Mm-hmm. It seems like that is in the realm of, quote-unquote, handsome Michael Vartan. And yet it is just the stiffest thing yeah. I've ever seen. To the point where I think he's not misunderstanding the line, the, the like the the script lines. Like he's supposed to be like making a, a a joke or a lighthearted comment about her being seventeen. He seems like he's seriously asking the question, and maybe that is like the intention of the director is like. That's what I'm saying. I feel I'm, like it's this okay, director. It's okay that blame. you're attracted to her because you already suspect that she's not seventeen. But that's a really murky place not, to be. Uh, that's not a realistic character thought like i bet the student isn't really the age they're saying if you're gonna do that you have to do it in a different scene away from the character away from all the other students where you're saying like are you 17 like he has to suspect you're right he says it almost like he is suspicious yeah but then nothing comes of it so it's like you delivered that line really really poorly so what's weird is is that their relationship is the the crux of the ending right Mm -hmm. and yet for a lot of this movie there's not a lot of it um there's not a lot of her there's more with this boy who gets a very awkward entrance like the the guy his name is guy of course his name is guy which i actually there's another thing i liked about the movie the guy's name was guy um who's also the the actor is playing a 17 year old but he is also a few years older than drew barrymore he looks very old he kind of looks like a mcboyle (laughs) i was gonna say that I was like, he looks like a McBoyle. From I was always totally going to be like, I think they're fucking related. He's a McBoyle from uh, Always Sunny. Yeah, yes. I kind of thought he did too, which is, makes it funny that he was like the super popular handsome kid. Yes. But it's weird because he's introduced, like, it's like the music is going and it's slow-mo and Drew Barrymore's having reaction because she's like getting a flash of the guy that she liked in high school yeah. before. Same kind of category. And, you know, she ends up like going to the prom with this new guy, right? Mm-hmm. So, but it's this Who's weird... crunching on her. Crunching on her. But it's this weird... Only because David Arquette later tells everybody that she used to date, you know, he's not playing her... He comes to school and is not playing her brother. 
he's playing like her friend, her friend who dated for a while, and she's super cool. And, and she dumped him, and and everybody likes David Arquette because he decided to eat a bunch of coleslaw. Because and then, he's just a cool guy. He's a cool guy who eats a bunch of coleslaw. And he probably is in real life. He's probably just one of those guys you want to like hang out with because he's fun. Courtney Cox like to hang out. Are they still married? I don't remember if they're they still are married. not married. They're not married anymore. What's funny is that their characters share a same last name, Monica Geller. And then in this movie, he oh. plays blah, 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 Geller. I feel like they were divorced even when they made Scream 4, so they're still okay with, like, appearing yeah. together in movies and stuff. Anyway. Um, okay. And I think they're both coming back for yet another Scream movie. Um, Unnecessary. There's a lot. Uh, yeah, that hasn't been a good streak. Okay. So, uh, what was I saying? No. There's this, so there's, you got this weird, awkward relationship where she's, like, cool, you know, kind of dating this high school kid. Mm-hmm. And... She enjoys being popular. They are very careful not to, like, make it her being attractive to this boy. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's a line there. Mm-hmm. So the movie knows that that should be the line. Yep. <laughs> we don't want Drew Barrymore to be creeping on a, on a high school kid. We know there's a line there. But the line does not exist <laughs> on the other side where she's kind of into the teacher. And the teacher is very clearly into, into her. her through... The way, and not, not in Michael Vartan's performance, because all he does is basically stare at her, and it's weird. Um, he doesn't stare. Ogle. Nope. Oh. Leer. He leers. He does, he leers a it's lot. a lot of leering. He seems very, especially at the prom, he seems very jealous that she's, like, dancing with this boy. I'm uncomfortable by it's the way he uncom- watches her. Oh, it's so, because I don't think he knows how to, like, play... Like, I'm attracted without making it seem... It's leering. so weird. It's leering, and okay. I don't like it. And that's why it's weird, because we... Like, the movie knows it's this is an inappropriate relationship, because the, the editors are trying to set this up to be, yeah, like, the like, story. That's the story. Yeah, and this intrigue. I mean, they're not wrong in the way that, like, that is the story. That would be the story, except for that they are... It is completely. Him. It's completely unethical, and no paper would ever do this, where no. they are actively trying to entrap a no. teacher by posing as an underage person. But... Like, the, oh, excuse me. Dateline might do this, yes. I guess. But they don't do this at newspapers. No. Not like this, no. But it is true that the only thing going wrong at this high school is that this teacher is trying to bag this student. Right. Well, I mean, there's aggressive bullying and that, I mean, there's... That's just fucking high school stuff, though. It shouldn't be, and that should be, if this movie were smarter, they could be telling a better story about bullying. It, it, instead, it does this very lazy version where so she lectures lazy. them after they try to bother Lily Sobieski. Oh, it's stupid. Um, so, yeah, there's, but it's just like, there's a, there's a scene where, I mean, it, every every interaction they have is inappropriate, right? Because she goes to the, the fair and she's going to go on the Ferris wheel alone. So then, like, Michael Vartan shows up and goes on the Ferris wheel together. And he's talking about his poor relationship with his girlfriend who's moved to New York or something like that. And he says, <laughs> if I were your age, I would totally date you. He does say that. And we established this in our Ladybugs episode earlier yes, this summer. Did. That you can't say that. Because <laughs> Rodney Dangerfield says it to a 12-year-old in the movie. And it doesn't... It's no. icky then. I just imagine <laughs> now... Well, I imagine two things. If I was in fucking high school, mm-hmm. and I can remember, I mean, it was a while ago, but I can remember, and I was on a Ferris wheel with one of my male teachers, I'd be one so, super fucking uncomfortable. Just yeah. out the get-go. You don't, like, socialize with your fucking teachers in high school. <laughs> one, it's just fucking weird. And two, even if you do like your teachers, that, like, one-on-one private time is, is no, 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 no. And yeah. now, as a parent, I just think about, like, if my daughter, do- if I was, like, at a fair and I was like, who the fuck is Marion riding in that Ferris wheel with? 
oh, her fucking high school English teacher. I'd be like, what the fuck? Get down now. Oh, that brings me to one other thing that I like about this movie. Is there when they're in the Ferrisville uh, thing, <laughs> there's a teenager that turns around and he goes, if this card's a rockin', don't come a-knockin'. It's like Polly Shore got channeled through this guy, and I was excited for a minute. I was like, is Polly Shore in this movie? It's true. But then the next comment is the kids teasing Drew Barrymore and the teacher for like, ooh. Yeah, this isn't good. This is going to be a... He's getting an email. Like, he's getting an AOL email. He's getting I <laughs> On am. Monday. It's I like, am There was a student sure. that talked to you about this. You were riding in this Ferris wheel. Like, no, they... In schools now, and maybe it was different. No, I feel like 20 years ago when we were in school... This is when we were in high when school. When you had a... 99. They, there was protocols. There was like... Oh, you're gonna talk to a student? The door stays open. The class, the <laughs> especially. I mean, even if it was a female teacher with a female student, the door stays fucking. Like open. that's kind of the thing, right? Yeah. Because there's like there's bit because yeah okay. So then you could say like, well, this has happened. These things have happened. That's where this movie is not unrealistic. I'm like, you're right. It is it that I guess it has happened. That's true. There have been students and teachers who have had inappropriate relationships. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. This is a romantic comedy that is like about like a lovable character and a lo- that's not the movie that this is. This, this is, is played like a regular movie. romantic yes. comedy where this woman who has a long uh, soliloquy essentially to Octavia Spencer early in the movie where she's like I just am waiting to be ki- I've been like kissed but I've just never been like, you know, when no. you feel the butterflies and so you just feel a you, whoosh. Your voice is wrong. You need to be weeping. I can't. Is your fucking saying it's, this? It's that Drew Barry. It's the wispiness of it's Drew Barrymore. Like, and then you're just like, you know, because you're so, it's the happiest moment of your life, but you're also equally sad because you just think, oh, bleh. So, like, high school, and if you're in high school and you saw that movie, yeah, like, that sounds like, ooh, I do, I want to fall in it, it falls into that romantic comedy thing. But when it's, like, 20 years later, that shit when ain't When you're playing. fucking 36 years old. <laughs> You're just like, what the fuck? <laughs> no, I know. This it's is not stupid. working. Um, so, yeah, there's just all these scenes where, it, like, so it, it, every one of these, like, so-called romantic type scenes that you want in a romantic comedy are happening between these two characters, except for there are several things going wrong here. One, the relationship is inherently inappropriate. Yep. Two, Michael Vartan can't act. Yep. And it doesn't know how to act his, like, weird feelings toward her. Yep. You have Drew Barrymore playing a caricature and doing everything a little bit over the top. <sighs> yep. And none of it's working. And then it's it's only like a thing that comes up every few minutes because there's other this. She's got to worry about writing her story. Mm-hmm. She's got to worry about being the popular kid. She got to worry about Lily Sobieski, who was nice to her from day one, mm-hmm. now being excluded from her. She got to deal with that. All these other David Arquette's running around yeah. being a baseball star. Yeah, it, there's so many things going on that like this. These scenes just crash to the ground every time they happen. But then we do finally get to the end. Yeah. It's fucking senior prom. They go to prom. She goes with Guy. Um, There's a scene where... She gets to be prom king and queen. They get yep. both voted because she's gotten so popular now that she is now the prom queen. queen. And Michael point, Vartan is just like hard. either infatuated... Hard for it. Hard for it. Or, but then he's like very upset because she dances with somebody. No, but doesn't he ask her to dance with him? He does. They have a dance. They fucking dance together. Yep. It's Are weird. you fucking kidding me? It at a seems prom, like a weird thing to do too. I don't know. Uh, maybe we're so you have maybe we're out of touch. Maybe we don't. Ha- we you don't, have this high schooler dressed in a sexy prom dress, and you, the Is teacher. It sexy? I, don't I don't know. know. Probably. <laughs> and you, the teacher, like I'm gonna I'm gonna have a slow dance with this student, 
It's weird, right? And then when she finally cracks and screams at everyone that she's 25, his lack of acting face looks like he's disappointed because... Oh, fuck, I thought you were 17, bitch! It's this weird thing. Yeah, it doesn't know how to play this deception. He looks disappointed in that she's not a teenager. Because he's been lied to. This is the trick, because now he's been lied to, but shouldn't he be, like, fucking relieved? Like, oh, shit, I almost really fucked up here. Like, I almost banged a teenager. I feel like, regardless of, like, at the end of this movie, it's not on the movie, but he's not, doesn't have a job anymore, right? No, (laughs) he's fucking teaching life. Because they write a story about this, right? Like, it's in the Chicago Sun-Times of, like, oh, yeah, I posed to this high school kid and this teacher we had a relationship it's like yeah you've lost your job <laughs> yeah just because it turned out she wasn't yeah, a no, teenager no you lost it you lost the job but then on the flip side he didn't actually do anything he didn't and that's the weird thing where that's like there's this like sexual harassment where you're putting female students in a position where they feel obligated to maybe do something for you because of how you're treating them Oh, it's so it's, like you're not it's such overtly, a misguided idea for a movie. Yeah, you're not physically. <laughs> There's no right way no. out of this scenario, right? No, it's so bad. It's like <laughs> There's no so way bad. that they can do this where it's like, oh, that was a lovely romantic comedy. No, you've mm-hmm. got, you've created it's too many landmines. It's fucked. You so the way fucked. that she reveals herself, by the way, is terrible because she re- witnesses that they're going to be mean to Lily Sobieski, who has not really been. In, I mean, she's, I guess, kind of sass mouth to the popular kids a couple of times. It's not worthy of, like, a Carrie-esque no, prank. No, I mean, she shit-talks them, which is what smart kids do. They but it's so weird. Of- and by the way, we already there's another person in this movie. Jessica Alba's in this movie as, like, one of the popular kids yeah. as well. Yeah, I um, mean, she mocks them all the time. Yes. But that's, so- like, you know... But why do they give a shit? It just doesn't seem like it would be anything that they would, would make a whole... Because there's a couple scenes where, like, yeah, she insults them with, like, some backhanded comment and walks away and they're like, oh my god, she, like, totally just insulted us. But what I don't get is, like, Lily Sobieski doesn't show any interest in that guy, uh, guy, the guy yeah. named Guy, yeah. and yet it's like, oh, well, he goes and, like, will you come dance with me? And it's just, like... She's suddenly, like, okay with it. Out of alignment with no. that character. She would be like, no, go away. She doesn't like him. There's no, there's none of that. There's been no evidence. It's, it's almost, it's like, it, it is a betrayal of her character, actually. Totally. That Just she's even, like, standing line. over there. Yep. And it's only there so that Josie can witness that they're going to do some mean prank to her. And this is when she finally decides to be nice to her again after she's fucking ignored her for a yeah, month or two she's months. she's been a total cunt to her. Yeah, essentially. Or at least ignoring her. Um, and then she just dives into it. She's like, I'm not really 17. And it, it feels like a scene where she should, like, take a wig off, but she doesn't have a wig to take yeah, off. She should pull, like, her Mission Impossible mask <laughs> off. It's like, I'm Robin Williams, and I am not uh, your nanny. It's like that kind of thing, right? It feels like she, or Mission Impossible, like, take the mask off, right? Or Gordon Ramsay on that uh, 24-hour show. Oh, my God. So where he's bad. like, I'm not really a construction worker. I'm not a firefighter. <laughs> Peel off the mask. I'm Gordon Ramsay. My favorite part of that is how people sometimes applaud. Like, yes! Yes! <laughs> if you see Gordon Restaurant in a restaurant... Uh, Gordon Gordon? Gordon Ram- if you see Gordon Ramsay in a restaurant... And like there are cameras and stuff, and like he appears. Shouldn't you be? You'd be probably going to throw up your lunch, right? I'd be like, oh, I gotta go. Use oh the my bathroom. god, he's here because something terrible has happened in the back. Like we you're just not, ate some rotten scallops. You're not applauding. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just you're not clapping for that. Anyway, the reveal. Yeah. So she just goes in and is like, you know, this is you. She's the greatest kid in the whole school, and you're treating her like trash. And this is not how you. You know, none of this is gonna matter when you get leave high school. All this shit is nothing. You're still... 
it, it, it rings false. It feels like she's suddenly emboldened by some a lesson that she hasn't learned. Yeah. Uh-huh. She hasn't learned that lesson. She's speaking like she has fucking authority, which this is the part of the movie I think is the only part where th- that they got right. Oh, this is another part I liked. Yeah. This is the, th- the third thing yeah. where she gives a speech and then it's just like the DJ is like, all right, let's play some music. It's like they don't give a shit. They, they don't give a shit. <laughs> Nobody reacts or responds. They're it, just like... Okay. It betrays that and undermines it when everybody shows up at the baseball game, but yes. uh, at the moment they're just like they read whatever. her moving article. So whatever. He Michael but Bartan yeah. confronts her, and yeah, again, like the the Chicago sometimes they're all watching the live because they've now managed to get the guy in the the truck to he has a date to the prom, which is just bizarre. And they're making a live feed, and they're actively trying to entrap this. Per- it's just not a thing that happens, and it's weird. I mean, and it makes we every- do. We do watch Dateline, but it does put the Chicago Sun Times in the same category as Dateline, which is just not correct. But they wouldn't put there wouldn't be this much effort, especially since I'm sorry. Yes, there are writers out there that spend a few months researching something and they write a very large article. There are there are a few people like that in some really fancy magazines like The Atlantic and for the most part, <laughs> this is not part. especially when it's your first assignment. Yeah, you're probably going to get like, hey, will you go down to the, like the bagel contest and yes. like just cover the bagel contest and get a couple of quotes from like some bagel competitors? Yeah, and just see of, if you can handle this. This makes me think of the uh, Mr. Rogers movie where he worked on his Mr. Rogers. But piece he was for several months, and that's a, that's an established writer who went and did that. And by the way, I think that movie even like depicts like, oh, I got other shit I'm writing right now. Yeah, like I have other pieces. I'm doing other things while because he went and interviewed him like a few different times, and so yeah. there's time that goes by. Yes, and there's a lot. It seems like you're doing a lot of research, but you're doing other things at the same time. She's doing nothing but going to high school and attending like events. And then the favorite part is like they get frustrated. It's like, what? You have nothing yet? That's it, young. That's it. You're on a hard deadline. Two weeks. I'm just like, you two better weeks. have something in two weeks. Like, that's a half a fucking month. Jesus, I could write a book in two weeks. Amazing. It's true. But yeah, she produces no, no content. And then what she ends up writing. Well, first. So then she reveals it. So then the Tribune scoops the fucking story. Oh, yeah, they say, like, <laughs> they're. The, and John C. Riley's reading the Tribune, and it says, like, a fucking reporter pretended to be a high schooler. <laughs> Which is what you... I mean, you probably would report that. Maybe not on the front, but it'd be like, oh, what, I, what I feel like there's more to, this, more to that reporting that's like, these uh, these baseball players lost their state championship. Uh-huh. Michael Vartan um, got fired. The, the mathletes lost their... Oh, yeah. All, lost all their competitive standings. Everybody's lost everything. There are several investigations of sexual misconduct. <laughs> yes, there are. Several yes, investigations. There are. Because not to mention... David people. Arquette is dating a girl. And very close. She wants to have sex and with he, him. And he does do the right thing and, like, says no. Barely. But he it's shows barely. Up to, he shows up to fucking prom in, <laughs> in risky business. Because they're doing great couples in history or whatever. Wearing fucking tidy whities mm-hmm. So you're telling me you're a 39-year-old man. You look like a 39-year-old man. Mm-hmm. Showing up to a high school prom mm-hmm. where there's 15-year-olds. Mm-hmm. In fucking tidy whities with your penis and your balls just right there. Well, I mean, it's the risky business, so the shirt's going down. I don't care. He's <laughs> dancing around. His hairy balls are just right there. He might shave You him. can see the outline of his penis. <laughs> you probably could, That's yeah. fucking 
this sexual movie is misconduct. PG-13, no. <laughs> that is sexually inappropriate. It is. The, no, the Tribune probably had a great story. Oh, my God. <laughs> there was like, oh, man, you should... They, oh, my this, God. These hapless assholes at the other paper in town, oh, man, they really... Look, look at this. Look <laughs> fucked up. There's several... I mean, it's weeks of reporting. They probably mm-hmm. got multiple stories mm-hmm. out of this. I mean, you could, right? Or it's just like, oh, that's not nothing. But no, there was investigations and... I'm sorry, if I found out that one of my daughter's <laughs> classmates was a 24-year-old woman, mm-hmm. I would be like, I'm... This is fucking Where has wrong. she been? What classes was she in? Who did she interact yeah. with? Yeah. Know, right? It would be a little I'm bit alarmed. alarmed. You would be alarmed, yeah. So then, <laughs> the counter to this is like, she's gonna write a story. Now, it is a cover story. It seems like it is longer than what we hear. Yeah. But what we hear is number one, not a story that would ever be published on the front page of a paper. It is first it's like a personal essay. It's it's it's, it's movie voiceover is what it is. You know what you know what this article is? Mm-hmm. It's the sorry I missed you. It's the what do they call it? The the meeting yeah. greeting. <laughs> I saw you across the way at the yeah. restaurant. It is three sentences. I've never been kissed is the whole thing, right? Yeah. Like and this is my story about never being able to be kissed. And then we I listen, I was trying to I didn't want to entrap him, but I fell for him and he fell for me and it's we are old, both 25, so it's okay. And I'm going to do this thing. We're going to go to the baseball tournament. And I'm going to stand out on the pitcher's mound for five minutes. And there's a big minutes, timer. I, oh, my God. This is just the dumbest thing. <laughs> and I'm only going to put this in the newspaper, so hopefully you're fucking reading this newspaper. <laughs> yeah, because Gary Marshall shows up at the game. He's like, look at all these readers engaging with the paper, <laughs> coming together. And it's like, They're this probably doesn't like, happen. let's see if the pedophile shows up, eh? <laughs> eh? Eh? Where's the dateline going to pop out? Yeah. <laughs> God. But it, it's it's just in, it's insipid uh, writing on top of it. I mean, it's movie voiceover and a cheesy romantic comedy. So it would never be like anything that anybody would read in a paper and be like, yep, let's go to that high school baseball game and see what happens. Okay. I got to rewind because I have a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. In the movie, it shows him still. So he tells Drew Barrymore that he's broken up with his girlfriend. Right. During the prom. But then it shows him because he was going to move to New York <laughs> yeah, with so his a, girlfriend. There's but a scene where he's packing up. He's still packing. Well, he lost his job. Oh, he probably can't right. live there. He got fucking fired. <laughs> he can't afford his rent. <laughs> he's probably hoping that like when he meets her, he's like, can I stay with you? <laughs> so his face, I think, was like, oh, fuck, I'm getting fired. That mm-hmm. was the face at prom, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah. He's like, oh, this bitch is, oh, shit. I got caught. Whereas if I let her graduate, then I'll just, uh, I'll we'll make it real quiet. Yeah. No, oh, it's pro- it's definitely a harder path for him, right? <laughs> oh, my God. So she waits. This is ridiculous. I mean, she waits the full five minutes. People are cheering it down, counting it down. as Like, they're going, five. Like, there's actual excitement when they get to, like, and then it's like, oh, yeah, no, counting, when we get to zero, it's bad. <laughs> like, it's, he doesn't show up. It's a letdown. Right. Fail. So then she stands up there for a while. So then this asshole, he's fucking late or whatever. He decides to be late and he shows up and kisses her on the mouth. he barely mound. saw it in the paper because he was using the newspaper to wrap his belongings up that he was packing. But what are you writing in that article, at least from what we heard, is going to be like, yep, I should definitely go down to this very public place where everybody knows that I like was hitting on this girl and I'm going to go out there and kiss her. Yeah, this is going to work out great. 
I mean, it's and then the movie, me sick. And then the movie Ugh. gives us this, has the nerve to be like, yep, it worked out great. <laughs> like, everybody's happy. happily ever after. He has no job. She has no writing career. Hopefully she gets to keep. No, because John C. Riley, I made a note of this. John C. Riley says, I'm not keeping your job. Yeah. He's going to fill her position. I was her like, copywriting f- position. Was like, she lost that fucking office, for sure. Now you're going to be a shitty, like, you wrote one shitty article. Congratulations. <laughs> great. Have fun with the obits. At, we work at a newspaper, by the way, where the editor and or the publisher fires people on a whim. Yeah. And he, by the way, you still got scooped <laughs> you still got fucking the story written about you oh Fail. my gosh this is i mean what a whirlwind of bad this movie is right i feel like my memories betrayed me mm-hmm. severely with this one yeah because i remember it being a fun fun movie a fantastical movie where you get to like imagine like and i think we saw it in high school so you get to imagine like man it would be kind of cool to like be sort of an adult because then you know all those magical adult things that you assume you get to figure out when you turn 20. Right. And you get to come back and then you you know how things work so you would make it, you would do better the second time. I This is a movie that it's a, it's a romantic comedy for people who like romantic comedies, specifically like teenagers. Mm-hmm. And, but here's my question. Would a teenager nowadays think this is a movie that's anything? Would a teenager, if this movie were ma- remade for now, the same storyline? Both ways. Because I feel Could like- you show this to a teenager, this movie, and be like, do you like this? And you would think, yes, they would like it. Someone who likes The Kissing Booth on Netflix? Or mm. No. I don't know. Or, that's a good question. I don't know any. I don't know any qualified. Teenagers. Or or are we or, or are we culturally kind of past the point of this bullshit? Because I kind of feel like maybe we it. might be. We might be past the bullshit. Like past the point of like this horseshit a little bit. We're past a lot of the things that are in this movie because we have a lot. Can, this is what I mean because we have a lot of um, generic. Ro- we got generic romance is i mean not romantic broad comedy is is less there's not a lot of that especially mm-hmm. not in in theatrical releases right but we have gotten thanks to hallmark and the christmas craze we get a lot of romance movies that are just readily available mm-hmm. and they're all really standard and they're yeah. all just meant to be comfort and uh, yeah. listen i've watched plenty of them they're not i wouldn't say they're bad it's just that there's there's a, there's a very strict outline yep. and the people get what they want out of them right yeah. they get the romance they get what they want it's the same woman who's hard in love you know whatever but here's the thing like i feel like even those generic things have trained audiences to not put up with like passive meek bullshit characters like who she plays in this because that's not how women are depicted in even those these current romance movies they're tough they're they're they have more of a fucking backbone they're more of a yep. person even though they're in generic movies that are all the same they're all the same quote unquote character but at least they are more a nuanced person yep versus this meek ass like she's just like, I hate her. There's no way that you. It's hard to root for her. She's just so yeah. passive in her own misery, and I. And that's weird because I do feel like it's that it does a good job of showing her, showing us the trauma that she experienced at the time. Like you can see that she's hurt, but like she's an adult now, and she mm-hmm. makes a speech about how when you grow up. This is not going to matter. It's like, that's bullshit. It mattered to you. You've been meek as shit for 10 years. Traumatized for years. You can't let this shit so go. So you're not even, I mean, you didn't even, you're not even who you say you are, mm-hmm. which is just this weird thing. And just because you wrote a bullshit fucking news article about how you never been kissed and you fell, it just doesn't yeah. make sense. None of it gels. You, you know what? A uh, female high school redemption movie works a lot better than this. Yeah. Romy Michelle's High School Reunion. Mm. Because mm-hmm. it's similar. They're both fucking nerds in high school. They get treated like shit. And right. now they're grown-ass women. 
Yeah. And instead of going back to a high school, they're going back to their high school reunion. Right. It's just so much more interesting. And I feel like it's handled a lot better because they've actually, like, grown as characters, but they haven't. We gotta watch that for the podcast. Yeah, I don't... And that it's so weird because, like, the same year, around the same time, we get the American Pie movies, which are R-rated, and they're, they're sex comedies, and they're different. But, like, even then, like, the nerds in that movie are not the same... Depict. I mean, I don't know. It's it's very safe. But I mean, the, the depiction is very Saved by the Bell, which is like more early '90s of just like Ooh, you can get right. away it's with very shit like, like this. This is Screech walking through the hallways. I just don't understand that a little bit. It's weird. This is yes. a weird, weird movie. Why did we think we liked it back back when? Because we were teenagers when we, we didn't saw know. it. We yeah. were we were stupid. Yeah, we were stupid. That's, That's what it, it was. Yeah. And I'm sure I was probably like, well, the teacher's kind of hot, but he's an alias afterthought <laughs> well you know i don't know michael vartan i don't know i don't know i don't it's get trying it to, this movie's trying to teach teenage girls to fall in love with their high school teachers that's a bad fucking story and look i get this is a, this is a law a try you know hot for teacher song mm-hmm. i mean we've got this there's this precedent of like and I, we were talking about this off mic. Of like, do we ever have a teacher that we yeah. were like attracted I, to? I asked you because yeah, Marion's has her first male teacher this year. Mm-hmm. So I was just she's like, nine. She's nine. And she doesn't. She hasn't had a. I, she no, hasn't had he, a crush you know, on anybody. He's like cute, and I just think, man, if I was a oh, fourth he's, grade, he's cute, huh? I mean, like he's oh, cute. Oh, 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 <laughs> cute, huh? Oh. I have a crush oh. on him right now. Oh, oh. That's a, through the Zoom call. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. Um, but no, I don't remember having crushes on teachers. Except for your daughter's teacher. I mean, because he's a grown-ass man and I'm a grown-ass woman. I'm going to punch you. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, no, and that's the thing. I don't think that... Um, I, I, while I'm defending this notion of uh, being into a teacher, I, I don't think I did. I don't think there was ever a teacher that I was like into. There were maybe... I don't think I had a young-ish teacher until high school, and then even then I was like, well, no, I mean, you know, she's like a teacher. And yeah, she's teachers. Teachers are gross. She's not my type because she's a teacher and an adult, so yeah. I don't know. Like, Teachers are gross. Like, why would you be in But even in college, even going through college, I don't think that there was one that, uh, no, I just don't think so. So, but maybe we're an outlier because I do feel like maybe that's a thing, but maybe it's just a thing in, like, pop culture and then occasional dateline specials where someone <laughs> ends up dating a student <laughs> and they go to jail um that's i don't weird. know i think it's weird when people are like oh yeah the teacher's hot like but then again wild things <laughs> where oh. matt Dillon ends up having a three-way with uh two students or whatever i don't remember that movie what how do you not remember wild things kevin I mean, bacon hangs just, dong let me say this. i don't remember the plot Oh yeah, well it's very much th- it's it's a sordid version of this where he's banging the they're I mean they're like eighteen or whatever but they're high school students and he's Yikes. banging okay, them. Okay, we gotta. It's a saucy little movie, you know. Oh, or is Roger Ebert would spicy. Say, spicy? That would be yeah. No, that's a spicy movie. Never been kissed is not spicy. No, no, not at all. I don't know. That's all I have to say about this uh, this fucking fiasco. All right, so that was never been kissed. Mm-hmm. If you made it this far into the podcast, you've almost listened as long as the movie was. Congratulations! <laughs> what we need you to do is go leave us a review on iTunes so that other awesome old millennials like yourself can find our podcast. Unless you're gonna write a bad review, then please don't. If you've listened this long, move. you're not going to because you're cool, old, old millennial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just like it just takes you like ninety seven seconds, iTunes 
old millennials. None of this computes to me. I don't know you what you're saying. Just be like, awesome podcast. Submit. Okay. Thanks for listening, guys. We will talk at you another movie. That's when you're usually saying something funny. I I was thinking of one, but then I... You failed. Fell apart. You Michael Vartanded. It was an alias afterthought. <laughs>